Welcome to Something Came From Baltimore. My name is Tom Gowker, and I will be your host today. Remember that Something Came From Baltimore is a jazz, blues, and R&B podcast and radio show, and it's not really about Baltimore. This week we Zoom. We go all the way up to Harlem to speak with jazz pianist Emmett Cohen. During the pandemic, Emmett Cohen and his trio went live and broadcasted to the world. The result is live from Emmett's place. Now at 100K with fans on YouTube, Emmett's Cohen's trio has over 100 plus broadcasts and has touched more music fans than he has realized. His first album out of the pandemic is called Uptown in Orbit on the Mac Avenue record label with a release date of 10-28-2022. And before we get into the show, remember to subscribe, share, and play volume up or volume down of something came from Baltimore. We need your support. And also check out the friends of the, the podcast, Neon Jazz and Adult Music. The links are in the show notes. The Beatles Come to America is coming back next year, 2023. And you don't want to miss a thing, so you want to subscribe. And the link is in the show notes. And uh, Cash App and Venmos, we love it. Patreon is out. Uh, let's get into the show. Let's check this out. Emmett Cohen, welcome to Something Came From Baltimore. Hey, thank you so much, Tom. Great being here. You've been in my subconscious for over, like, it feels like a year. Like, your name has popped up because I subscribed to your YouTube channel a while ago. And, uh, you know, I'm on YouTube also with my my stuff. So you always come up and I'm checking out a lot of the, the shows. And uh, so it's really weird to talk to you because, like, you've been in my forefront, you know, and now I'm like, oh, I got this album. And then I was like, I got to talk to him because I feel like I've already been connected to you emotionally. I guess a lot of people felt that way because you've you, this concert series has really taken off. Yeah, you know, it's been two and a half years already. Thank you for for checking it out. I never realized what a tool the internet, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, all that stuff could be for, uh, uh, for an artist. Um, you know, especially an independent artist in in this in this postmodern time where it's just direct to consumer, right? But it, it's it just started out as a as a as a video of us playing, you know, on an iPhone. I just set the thing up on a stack of books, and uh, and we just played. It was the first week of the pandemic, and this promoter Derek Kwan out of Lawrence, Kansas, said, uh, "We like to support artists in this time. You're supposed to play here March 23rd, 2020, and if you just play, uh, you know, from your house, do something for the world." Uh, you know, we'll give you the full fee. And, you know, if we were like, full fee, we just had an entire 12 plus months of gigs canceled. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, that's really kind. We'll take that. And, and uh, it turned out to be something that, that the world needed. And jazz has always uh, brought people together in different forms. Um, and this was just another, another form. And the, the mythology of the thing worked out too, because we're in right in Harlem. And this is the exact block that they were doing Harlem red parties on um 100 years ago in the roaring 20s uh now we're in the roaring 20s again doing it. it's the pandemic has set a prohibition and uh and we're doing a rent party where we can invite people in 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 virtually and, and it was a really uh really necessary thing for a lot of people in that time so we, in a, i'm glad to have connected with so many wonderful people on the internet i've been doing this for six years i've looked at people's like uh social media and you must do you have a team behind you because the it looks like there's multiple cameras going on. There's editing. Everything is uniform and correct and beautiful looking. And uh, <laughs> I was like, uh, I said, he must have a team behind him that is working it. It's not coming from Mac Avenue, that's for sure. Right? No, we're, this is an independent uh, project uh, up here in Harlem. And 
it started just the three of us in one room and, and I bought microphones and, and I was using OBS on my computer, uh, filtering my, my uh, iPhone through that and setting it up on a camera. If you look at the, the Cyril A. May video, the most famous one, La Vienne Rose, uh, the drum, when the drums get going, you can see the camera bouncing up and down because the tripod is so weak. Um, and I had a friend, his name is Alex Weitz. We went to college together. He's a good saxophone player. And he uh, wrote to me, said, you know, when I get back to New York um, after after this quarantine uh, is over in, in, um, in Arizona, which turned out to be a couple of months he was there, he said, I got this ATEM switcher, uh, which is, a, I guess, something similar to what they use in sporting events to follow the ball. And he said, I got some cameras and I'd love to try to take it to the next level. And we had a couple of days of experimentation when he got back and uh, it, it, everything, you know, we, we, we worked for hours to try to get the delay right and try to get the color right and try to get the, the placement of the cameras, the setup. And it was just a continual work in progress. Uh, and then there's a sound man whose name is Kelvin Grant from DC, he lives in Philly and commutes, commuted up every Monday for the show. Uh, he just wrote to me just hey man i've been watching your stream and you guys look like you could use a little help uh, and i said no no we definitely can't afford that in the budget and then a few days went by and i said well why don't you come by and see what we do and he came by and like just relieved a ton of pressure and it sounded great uh and we've been kind of you know tweaking things on that end too and so that was that that's the sound guy and the video guy and then I have uh, somebody who works, who I have working on the back end. Uh, his name is Brian Ang for many, many months of the pandemic. And then it transferred to, to, to my man, Spencer Porter. It's nice to speak their names too, because they, yeah. they don't get well, their uh, There's, there's artists that are one that on the edge, like you're a younger artist. So you're, you're now finding out what the internet can do for you. Uh, you know, that, that you're able to connect to people all over the world, which is great. But there's there's like the uh, time and money, and yeah. and like you can always document what you're doing. With you, I'm documenting this concert, but what you're doing is kind of creating the, the uh, an elevated version of documentation, which is like almost like a show, and it has that clean look to it. It's pretty amazing, and I I really haven't seen people do that on on the scale that you're doing. So, but uh, I do have some notes. I wrote that this is a warm sense of peace. Uh, there's there's beauty of sound, it's calming, and it's community gathering. These are the things that I I get when I watch your videos. We're gonna play, <laughs> we're gonna play a version of Joy Brown. Uh, she did I got a bad and it ain't good. It's gonna blow you away. So we're gonna do a sample of that. We're coming back. Uh, the the elevation piece. No one else is doing this. Some in my mind. I can't. I don't. I don't know who else. But what you're doing is that you're just. You're in there. You're in that matrix now. I, I I'm aware of you. <laughs> well, I'm so glad. In a good way or a bad way. It's either it's either or, right? <laughs> some people love us. Some people hate us. Yeah. <laughs> now, are you getting negative comments? Because it's wonderful. I don't like. It's it's a shame everyone is a critic. You know, YouTube is is a negative place in general, and I think that some people are turned off by by the negativity there. But it's overwhelmingly positive. Uh, you know, just when when you're doing something so public, there are always going to be people who who come after you for for a certain thing. Um, so that's just something to be mindful of. But I, I think you know, for our community musicians too, it was an overwhelmingly positive thing, especially in the first months, uh, six, eight months, a year in. We would have someone over, and they said, you know, I haven't, I haven't played with a, a band in in a year, uh, and this is so special to me. And I think that's part of what made. Uh, made the the stream so special too because a lot of those musicians haven't played with anyone in so long 
And so there was this yearning to connect with, with other musicians in person that we were capturing that, that energy. There were little communities that, that, that sprung up and, and we were lucky uh, to find something that, that connected with people and, and that people wanted to come every week and, and just share a moment. Trying to keep it relaxed too. You know, it wasn't like, and now we're going to play this, and this is yeah. the set list, and this is the program. You know, we jotted down a list of tunes, try to find some common ground, and like, what do you all feel like doing next? You know, made it a community. So what I'm reading about the bio piece is that this album that we're talking about, Uptown and Orbit, your uh, trio is very tight. You guys have been playing forever for a really long time. And that you just threw in a couple of new uh, people who are new to you to kind of, you know, uh, maybe slant your uh, your music styles like uh like sean jones for one right am i yeah. getting that right like you never worked with him before or the saxophonist and i didn't write the saxophonist names down and i wanted to do that his name is patrick bartley and it was uh, amazing and we had we had quite a relation we have quite a relationship with patrick over the years uh, he went to high school with the bass player russell hall and um and we've we've, we've been playing together in various configurations but he was one of the the people that that really made emma's place feel like what we wanted it to feel like when we play with Patrick on the stream, maybe it has something to do with Patrick. He's a streamer too. Uh, <laughs> and he plays saxophone on, on Twitch and answers questions and has a discord and does all of that kind of stuff. But uh, he did, he did that uh, solo on after you've gone that went pretty viral. You know, he just summed up really what, what we wanted the, the feeling to be. And then Sean Jones came and he, and it also was that same feeling like this is what it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be joyous. It's supposed to be intense. It's supposed to be just just roots, like roots out of the ground, uh -huh. into the ground, you know, just a connection to the ancestors, like just a spiritual uh, thing where, where, where the energy in the room just is so powerful that you can feel it through the screen. I think, you know, I wanted to capture that then in the recording studio. Uh, and I'm put together two musicians from slightly ge different generations who had never played together before, who I knew would sound, you know, I knew they would sound great together. Sean Jones is Baltimore, so he's our people. You know that he's oh, he, yeah, sure. he's he's doing a really great job of of keeping the community tight and and close. You actually are coming to the Keystone Corner on December 15th and through the 18th, and you're bringing uh, the jazz legend uh, Houston Persons. I, I wanted to know how did you get a hold of him? Houston and I have been friends for, for maybe 10 years. We've been on the jazz cruise and uh, he's just one of the most incredibly soulful, powerful and legendary musicians uh, alive. He's 87 and, uh, and we uh, got to know each other and I just tried to be around him as much as possible and then tried to play with him. And over the years we've been playing together and, uh, we kind of started a, a, a project, a band together, and have done many gigs, and we're best friends. We talk on the phone all the time. He sends me books in the mail and newspaper clippings and stuff, and we talk about the news. Uh, he's up on the current events and everything, and he's just a, just the salt of the earth and, and, and taught me a lot about the blues. Uh, he worked at Eddie Jones and, and plays behind singers like no other saxophone player. And it's just all about the melody. And I learned so much from Houston. And uh, I'm so glad we get to present our project and, and get a chance to travel and play with him. Uh, it's really uh, inspiring for me. And, and I can't wait to bring it to the Keystone Corner. It's, that's our yearly engagement around the holidays. And, and we love it very much. He has a 1976 album called Pure Pleasure. And he's a good looking guy. He's very, very attractive. 
he's there, but he has that woman behind him, which was like a really 70s kind of vibe. You know, like I'm going to stand behind my man kind of look. And um, that that picture, they used to have it with beer commercials and stuff. Like, I love my drinking husband or, well, you know, I'm supportive of whatever endeavor he does. So that was a timepiece. And I actually was just, that grabbed my attention. And then he went to the Keystone. I was trying to get a hold of him for an interview. And I wanted to start there and work either backwards or forwards with my questions. And the album is actually very pure pop. It's like a very big pop album. <laughs> he's, he's, he's just a, a, mel a melodist of the highest order. And whatever style of music he's playing, people people relate to that. I've learned a lot from him. Your album comes out on the 28th. We're doing our interview on the 23rd. So on the Mac Avenue label, it's Uptown and Orbit. I just want to go over a couple of tracks because we're going to play a couple of tracks, which is the, the amazing piano work of Finger Buster is just uh, mind-blowing. It's already out as a single, and it makes me exhausted just to listen to it. How did you find that song? Is that something that you you had, uh, maybe you, you trained on when you were younger? Uh, no, it's more of a recent thing, um, especially during the pandemic. I got a chance to go back and, and listen to him and try to learn the music of Willie Lion Smith. Uh, James P. Johnson, Fats Waller, and uh, some other some other stride pianists, Scott Joplin, Jelly Roll Morton, uh, and and really just tried to get inside of their of their music and their tunes. And I connect I connect with Willie Lyon Smith uh, very deeply, and he wrote that tune Fingerbuster. And I've heard him play it a few different ways. And I said, you know, what happens if we take this solo piano arrangement and we and we put it put it in a in a trio context and orchestrate it out? And we tried it and played it a few times and took it on the road and performed it for different audiences. And uh, that's that's how it evolved and uh, became one of the one of the staple pieces that I like to play. And I love to to conjure the spirits and the ancestors and to play Willie Lyons music. I, I feel like is important because uh, not many um, not many pianists perform his music, speak his name and, and carry carry the legacy. And it's one of the things that brought jazz to where it is today in in, in, a, in a big way yeah what a fine and what a great opportunity that you're able to, to review stride artists you know if if you're a piano player you'd think that that would be something you would do uh, maybe in in your training like earlier in in your career but it's a good opportunity that you're able to kind of focus on it kind of really dig into it yeah i just i, I just fell in love with it and i think um i think you know people have to follow their hearts in in a big way because then you're not happy playing the music that you're playing if you don't so i connected personally with that music so that's the direction that i'm going you know it's 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 not for everybody uh, oh no i love it it's like wow it, <laughs> great one of, one of the other things we did with that track is that uh my drummer uh, kyle Poole, he is also a great producer and deals with production and post-production and uh, he got this tape machine he said you know what happens if we take a uh, couple of sections of this piece, especially the solo piano, roll it back, like record it back to tape, um, to the to the to the old school tape machine, and then print it back uh, to to Pro Tools. And so we actually put like an old tape machine feeling on on a couple of sections of of that piece uh, for the recorded version. Um, yeah, give it a little grainy, scratchy feel, like kinda, just slightly. Yeah, it kind of gave yeah. it this uh, this this other kind of uh, energy. And really showed the juxtaposition between the the old and the new, um, and and what it means and how it feels, and and I think it's pretty cool. Definitely. Well, that's how you start the album, but the end the album with um, "Bragging Brass," which kind of has some stride to it, also. 
and that's like a, a, a full piece. We're going to play a sample of that also. Is there anything that you want to talk about that? Uh, yeah, that piece is by Duke Ellington from the 30s. And it's a similar thing. Uh, instead of a solo piano piece, that's a big band piece. Uh, and then we reduced it for piano trio. <laughs> um, so kind of went the other way. You know, piano trio is a big happy medium uh, between between uh, solo piano and big band and, and when medium sized group. Uh, you can do a lot with the textures of, of the piano, bass, and drums. And uh, this this uh, this album is called Uptown in Orbit. And Duke Ellington has a blue, has a, a record called Blues in Orbit. Uh, yeah. which, which I think, uh, you know, really, I wanted to, to make a nod to Duke Ellington. I live on Edgecombe Avenue in New York City, and he also lived on Edgecombe Avenue um, in, in, the, in, the, in, in the, the time of the last century. Um, and this is uh, kind of our connection to him. And I wanted to close the record with, with this piece and, and do a nod to Duke Ellington. He's been, been uh, just had a, a huge impact on the music of America, the music of the world. Um, had the longest uh, standing orchestra and career almost pro produced over 2,000 compositions and just had such a monster impact on everything. He's a hero of mine, and, and I wanted to honor that in, in this way. Wow. Yeah, that's great. We're going to play a sample of that. That, to me, remember the compilations like uh, Jazz on a Rainy Day CDs? Yeah. That, yeah, that came out like maybe in the 80s, 90s, that people would just go, oh, I know what I'm going to get. I'm going to get some kind of like mellow kind of um, Ben Webster-ish, you know, yeah. kind of vibe, you know, and that's this song reminds me of. I was like, oh, I could see that on a modern day, you know, uh, like chill out. Uh, yeah. Now, I guess you would do it on Spotify. It would be jazz chill. And, and I, yeah, this this is your, your, your piece for the jazz chill. Yeah, that piece was written by Russell Hall, the bass player. And I wanted to feature him on the album. He had such a big part of of, uh, of Emmett's place um, and of the trio sound. And, and we are best friends and worked together for a long time. And uh, he's a great composer. I wanted to feature one of his pieces. So I orchestrated and arranged it for quintet uh, with Sean and Patrick. And so uh, so this is, this is Russell's tune called The Loneliest. Wow. We're going to play a sample of that. And we're going to finish off with Uptown in Orbit, where you have a great you know, uh, Sean Jones trumpet and uh, Patrick uh, Bartley saxophone. It's amazing. Like that section is, it works really. It's a, it's amazing. Thank you so much. I'm so glad yeah. you connected with it. Tom. Yeah. We're going to play that. I know you're a piano player, but, I, <laughs> but it's my show. So I'm going to play that, that segment there so they can see how, how uh, amazing it is. Yeah, please do. Yeah. Good. I'm glad you appreciate it. I'm not it. perturbed. <laughs> it's a part of the song so it's a piece of the the, the overall piece so cool, it's good cool. i don't have any other questions for you i like the mosaic piece where it's like a a, a sound collage uh it's interesting um uh, i don't know you probably could have went longer with it um you know because there's so much great stuff that that you have available and then there's some tracks i was like oh i would like the bass more like the stuff got the stuff is funky and I was like, whoa, uh, out, pump that bass up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that that's, was Kyle, that's the Cedar Walton tune. That's uh, that's Kyle's feature. 
uh, a lot of times when we play. Uh, and and I said, you know, we went we went on the production route for this album. And I said, why don't you why don't you take your feature to the to the studio and 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 create a soundscape if you'd like uh, with some of the some of the uh, soloing that you did. And so that's like a feature for Kyle, not only in on the drums, but also on production too. So he he kind of took it to outer space, which matches with the up the or the in, in orbit feel, you know. Definitely, I think we're done. I appreciate it. I got uh, enough. I, I hope you thank you for you know talking to me today. And cool. um, yeah, my Zoom thing is timing out, so I think we're gonna they're gonna shut me down in a couple minutes. So I. Uh, Emmett Cohen, thank you very much for joining me today on Something Came From Baltimore. Tom, thank you so much. It's a pleasure. I hope everyone enjoys the album, and I hope to see everyone at the Keystone Corner.